Hey there, family. Welcome to Discipleship Podcasts, where we interview some amazing people who are living out their personal calling in advancing Jesus's kingdom mission, specifically in the Pacific Northwest. If you enjoy this interview and want to hear more, check out our resources at nwfamily.org. Thank you. So hello, family. Today I'm joined by Riley Sanderson, from the Seattle Church of Christ, and I'm, I'm sure he'll tell us so much more about that church, at, which I'm excited to hear about, that region of the Pacific Northwest. But uh, I'll also say about Riley, I got to know him because he and his wife came down and visited our church planting in Bend, Oregon, which they didn't have to do, but they brought a bunch of other disciples. They came and encouraged us. They led worship that Sunday, and so they... When it comes to building family, they made a huge effort driving five, six plus hours to come and say hello to us. So I'm super excited to have Riley Sanderson on today talking about his testimony and where he's at in the Northwest. Riley, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I feel like that's what everybody says at the beginning of a podcast, <laughs> but I'm, I'm really glad to be here. How can you not say thanks for having me? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here, but I really am. Like, it's definitely my privilege and my honor. So, thanks for asking me. So, Riley, what's your current position in the church in Seattle? Hmm. Yeah. So, my wife and I we lead um, the young adults ministry here and the teen ministry on the east side. Um, so, uh, the young adults ministry we call the AIM ministry, the All In ministry, <laughs> um, and that's what we started when we had moved back from Bellingham. Our first ministry job was campus ministers at a uh, Western Washington University, where actually Elise is. Okay, uh, she went to school, uh, and then after a year of that, helping get that kind of kick started again, we we moved back, did some young adults, and then in the middle of COVID. <laughs> we uh, we took over the east side with the teens, which was um, an interesting start to to working with teens is is doing it all virtually. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's it's taught mm -hmm. us a lot. <laughs> of course, one of the number one questions on every Christian podcast. So Riley, like, how did you become a disciple? Tell me how you came to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, no, I love this question um, because my story. Um, sort of doesn't fit necessarily the typical mold of somebody my age in our church movement. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times when I ask people their stories, uh, they were either met at campus, like they had not grown up in the church, um, got converted uh, at a college or university, or maybe grew up in the church and, you know, got baptized as a teen or maybe in campus. Uh, but for me, I grew up in the Churches of Christ, what we call the mainline or traditional Churches of Christ, um, down in Southern California, North County Church of Christ. And I really appreciated the upbringing that I had there. Um, it was very yeah. Bible focused, um, you know, and in and, and, and respects to doctrine, uh, really similar, if not identical to our church movement and what I've experienced here in this, the Seattle church. Um, I think for me, um, the pieces that were lacking for me personally, as I understood um, farther along, was I wasn't really um, open about my sin, um, and I didn't necessarily um, go out of my way to you know reach out to my friends. I think it was really easy to give 
um, you know, 98, 99% of my life to God, just in the sense that sure. um, I grew up kind of as a generally good kid, quote unquote, um, very well mannered and, and behaved, you know, um, people would probably look at me and think as like kind of the goody two shoes Christian, you know, um, I uh, really respected the Bible, um, really loved God, had a great uh, picture of what it looked like to um, build a, a, a Christian community. Um, I think what I just really lacked and needed, um, even as I came up to Seattle and I, I moved there, uh, to go to school at, at Seattle Pacific university. Um, and when I got plugged in with the group there, I just, I felt like it was one of the first times that I saw a whole group of young people really passionate about the Bible. Um, Amen. they really knew the Bible and really wanted to put it into practice. Um, and you know, no group is perfect and there's other parts to that story that have had its ups and downs and everything. But, um, I, I feel like I had gone through a season through high school of really, um, struggling in certain areas in my life. You know, I dated a couple girls who, um, kind of were, were kind of Christian, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but not really living, not really living the life and, um, I found my own (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm Catholic or I'm a kind of Christian. Like, and I went to, you know, both of their church at church and mass at times. But um, it's just, you know, it, it, we weren't on the same. Um, we didn't have the same mindset as to how the Bible should impact our lives. Um, and so uh, long story short, I just I just struggled through that time. Didn't have a lot of accountability, um, you know, uh, just came out of both of those relationships um, and had a big moment of questioning, like, who am I? And like, who do I actually want to be with God? I remember like crying on the top of my stairs after the second, second girlfriend had dumped me for the second time, actually had cheated on me a couple times, you know, it's like, wow, like something that I've invested so much love and effort into and really made an idol in my life. um, It all kind of just came crashing down. And I was like, I want to take this seriously, like a hundred percent. I don't want to just be a 98, 99% Christian. I want to, I want to do this for real. And it wasn't long after that I had moved up to Seattle, um, got plugged in with the group and just was like, wow, okay. Like teach me, teach me these things. I, they, they showed me how to be open with my sin. They, they took me around to show me how to evangelize. And, um, I, I just really deeply wanted that training. And so, Obviously, as someone who went through all those different challenges and then coming into a new church group, I mean, when I went to church the first time, they said, oh, welcome to the Seattle Church of Christ. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's Church of Christ. Like, like, that's what I grew up in. Um, And then for many of, I'm sure your listeners, we know there's there's some historic um, differences where the Church of Christ and International Church of Christ have um, gone their own ways. But anyway, uh, I started studying the Bible with a couple of the guys, um, and uh, that had its ups and downs, too. Um, I think they didn't really know what to do with me, (laughs) because I was one of those guys who was answering all the questions, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think giving off a really genuine, faithful spirit, um, because I think that's really where I was at at the time. Like I was like, I want to be a disciple. I want to take this seriously. Um, but just some of the, my pieces in my story didn't line up. And so they just like, 
I think at first we're yeah. like really like, oh, let's make you a member. And then they're like, wait, I don't know. And, you know, there are pieces to where I think um, I wasn't necessarily always approached the best in that regard, like because I think there was just some immaturities and people just didn't know what to do with the nuance of my story. Right. Um, yeah. But long story short, I, I had gotten to a place at the end of my first year at SPU where um, I was going back home for the summer and um, I was told like I would not be added as a member, which was really hard, like because I knew my own heart. I was I was trying to authentically wrestle myself like I I was mm. talking to people back home in yeah. my home church and then to getting a lot of advice from people um, in the Seattle church as well. And there's actually it's funny because there's actually some older members from back when it was just Church of Christ that knew each other of these two right. churches. And so they were involved talking about this <laughs> and like, what do we do with Riley? How do we, how we, how do we help this guy? So anyway, I went away from the, uh, for the summer, um, processing everything that had happened, especially that last quarter. It was, it was really difficult. It was challenging. There were different hurts involved, but like, I just knew like, this is the place I wanted to be. I could tell that God was calling me to, um, stay in that group, not to, for the sake of the people, but just because they had already shown me so much of the way of how to live like Jesus in a really authentic, full way that I just, even if I wasn't going to be a quote unquote yeah. member, I was going to keep going. Um, which I think is actually mm. something I would really like to convey to anybody who might be listening is like, you know, sometimes we might encounter relational challenges with people. Um, and it, Right. you know, might discourage us from continuing in a community that otherwise would be really good for us spiritually, but we get hurt and we're like, okay, I'm out. Right. But, um, I'd really encourage anybody to persevere through that because what I came to an understanding through this process was like, God was going to fight for me. God was going to make it right one way or another, but I just knew that was a place that was spiritually edifying for me and, and had good doctrine and had good practice. Um, but you know, mm. had broken humans. So there, it just oh, wasn't yeah. perfect. But anyway, so I came back after the summer um, and I got lunch with Ron Brumley. Um, and he, cause he was one of the guys who knew this man, James Gibbs from my home church. They mm. were longtime friends. James Gibbs was actually his like mentor and had sent him out to plant the Poway church like <laughs> years ago. Um, the Poway um, Church of Christ in the mainline churches. But anyway, uh, so Ron and I got lunch and he, I think, saw the sincerity of my faith that I was really trying. And so he went back to Seattle leadership and said, listen, just give this guy a shot. Like one way or another, it'll work itself out. Like he'll either, yeah. it'll show from his life that he's not serious about this and it will just fade out with time. Um, and address the sin if, you know, that arises uh, accordingly as you need to. Or he'll live like a disciple and it'll all be fine. And he'll, you know, just plug in and we just never think about it ever again. Or he'll come to a realization of, hey, I should get baptized. Like, so any of those three options, mm. I think he just had a perspective of let's just be humble to the fact that God is in control. Not we don't have to be the gatekeepers when like there's so much nuance. We just don't know. Um so they were really humble to his um, input. And uh, <laughs> a week after coming back to uh, Seattle after that summer break, um, one of the guys who had been studying with me got with me and basically was like, hey, we'd love for you to be a member. Um, so mm. I really appreciated Ron um, 
trusting God first and foremost, not even just trusting me. I think he did see something in me and appreciated, um, I think what was some sincerity and and humility in, in my, in my faith. But ultimately Mm. that he was like, God's in control. God will sort it out. So funny thing is fast forward. And I know this is a long story, but, (laughs) um, fast forward (laughs) six years, I was already a member of the church. I got married to Elise. I was a wor- like worship leader, like, you know, Bible talk leader, like all this kind of stuff. I'm deeply involved in this church. Yeah. And um, through that six years, I just I had a pervasive doubt every mm. maybe six months to a year of like, is my conversion like legit? And one of the reasons why I really gave that the time of day, like I actually listened to it is because I'm not necessarily someone who really second guesses himself by nature. Um, I, you know, everyone has their insecurities, yeah. but that kind of pervasive doubt is not something I like struggle with in general. So yeah. I was like, okay, this is either a, a, a severe attack from Satan or God trying to get my attention. Um, and sometimes you can't, it's hard to tell the difference between the two, but regardless, I, I went through different periods of talking to people about it and wrestling with it. And I feel like more times, the most times that I felt that kind of pressure on my spirit was when I would study the Bible with people and just feel like, ah, man, like I'm Mm. saying this one thing, but I know there's a couple pieces here that like don't fully line up or I don't. My it just isn't showing that I have a good conscience about it. Like I I don't feel good about it. Mm, yeah. Um. And so I, at a certain point, I eventually talked to Marcus Wallace. Um. God bless him. He said, "Hey, I, you really just need to make a decision about this." And I encourage you to read, um, "Repentance" by Ed Anton. <laughs> Come on, Marcus. And so. I actually really recommend that book. It's one of my, um, you know, most um, helpful books, at least in my personal journey. And what it helped me understand was the thing I said before of like, I really gave like 98, 99, maybe even percent of my <laughs> life to God. But that stuff was easy. Like I withheld certain pieces into where we all know that repentance bears fruit in terms of even our actions, right? Right. Um, it changes our behavior in such a way to where God is Lord of everything. Jesus is Lord of my entire life, and I don't withhold any peace, you know. So um, I, through these different conversations and wrestling and much prayer, um, I decided to get baptized again. Um, and this was it's funny because, like, like I said, I was deeply involved in the church. Elise and I were even exploring yeah. at that time, going into ministry, um, and. I think it would have been maybe possibly confusing to people like about my story or whatever. So I kind of, we kind of just gathered. So, well, obviously with the church leadership knowing and and having this kind of having had talks with them too, they encouraged us to have like just a small group of our close friends who had been involved in the process go and, and, you know, have me get baptized. And, um, one of the things that I, uh, kind of came that helped me come to that decision to get baptized was I was like, listen, I, at the end of the day, don't know 100% if the first one didn't take, quote unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought about best case, worst case scenario. I was thinking, yeah, best case scenario, I'm getting right with God. Like, I need to do this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not 
a saved believer I, I and I need to get baptized. The worst case scenario is I'm just renewing my vows to God. So it's like there's really no downside. Um, and so that helped me. Um, that helped me say, okay, I just want to be able to put this past like behind me, right? And I want to be able to move beyond it to where I don't have this yeah, pervasive yeah. doubt that continually um, detracts from my ability to, to reach the lost. Um, you know, or just having kind of this oppressed spirit all the time. Like we just, there's a lot of reasons why we don't need that. So, um, anyway, I, I got baptized, um, that was in August of 2017. It was just like six months before we ended up going into ministry. Um, and again, um, just being married to Elise and everything. It's just like, it was kind of, it was kind of a funny, interesting (laughs) scenario where it's like, okay, were you married to like a non-disciple for like, a year and a half or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of joked about that a little bit, but I think it just yeah. teaches us that it's not necessarily a super linear path in that it needs to have this cookie cutter look to it. Like the, the elements of a conversion are important and need to be present in everyone's story. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, the thing is if I would have made that decision to join the group at first, um, I think I would have done it for the wrong reasons. I think I would have done it just to wow, join the group point. for the friends. If I'm being honest yep. for the spiritual girls, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's oh, where yeah. my head would have been at, but I made a faithful decision at that point where I was like, I want it to be about God and God will make it clear. And at that point I had decided in faith to rest on his grace. Um, yeah. I just didn't understand certain parts that God revealed later. So to where once I had made that decision, it was about me and him. And I've never doubted since, right? Like, it's just not Uh, a thought in my mind. That whole pervasive doubt thing went away entirely. So I'm really thankful that I got to experience a story like that. I think it's been really encouraging to other people of being like, wow, like God is good. And he's so much bigger than our processes and how we go about things. Well, Riley, you convinced me my my rebaptism will be this Sunday at 1 p.m. (laughs) Oh, man, let's go. No, an, an excellent example, because um, you were you're on staff, a disciple for for six years, right? So you were you were first baptized as a teen, right? I was baptized um, in preteens, actually, which is pretty common, Pre-teen. I think, in a lot of churches of Christ. Um, so I sure. was um, almost eleven. So I was young. I was I was ten. Um, and the since I yeah. think there was a sincere faith, but just you know a lacking understanding of myself and my sin. So yeah, I just God showed me later. Yeah, well, that's such an important example because it is a. It makes me think of First Timothy four sixteen, life and doctrine, your testimony mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. First, you're attracted to the church because of the doctrine. All the disciples are biblical and they have a love right. for each other. But then joining the the International Church of Christ sounds like it was more of the life and you wanted to be more of a practitioner and you valued the training and evangelizing. And I, yeah. I certainly relate to that a lot. And I appreciate that elder who also said, Riley is good. It's He's going to show it with his life. But then yeah. you turn around and you're studying the Bible with others and that hits your conscience, conscience on the doctrine side again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And God worked it out. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Trusting the Lord, you mentioned. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. God fights for us. We we just don't need to spend too much time fighting for ourselves. 
What are some of the highlights, some of the memories you'd like to share from your journey in being a disciple? Yeah, um, I, I feel like a lot of the memories that stand out to me in my mind are ones that kind of circle around, they revolve around loss. Um, because I mean, I feel like I've had a decent amount of loss in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, I've, I've come from a family that's had its different dysfunctions. Like my parents both brought different things from their broken families into our, um, into our family. Like I, I grew up in a Christian household, amen. So I think that gave us a lot of different, like resilience yeah. and stuff and was able to, um, kind of put a framework around um our sin and brokenness in a way that i think uh really helped of course but it it still had its issues right and and i think that poured into different um areas of my life and uh, and being able to kind of uh, address those with my brothers and sisters here in seattle has been really um formative and really helpful i i feel like one of the most recent losses and tragedies that's just been, that's really shaped me though, Mm. was um, my dad, he he worked as an auto detailer. And so he would wash um, buses or cars, um, you know, late at night or early in the morning. And so a couple of years back, as he was coming back from work, he got in a car accident and died. And so I, you know, obviously that was traumatic. That was, um, you know, a shock. I was actually at a marriage retreat with Elise and we got the call. And so it's like kind of this really like, um, we, and we really enjoy marriage retreats. It was like a a really, um, happy experience. Like we're really enjoying ourselves and kind of out of the middle of nowhere, like a really hard call comes. And so that we just kind of went up into our rooms and we're processing that and, and all this sort of stuff. And just being in a really public venue, that was really tricky too. But um, the reason I bring this yeah. stuff up is is the ways that I've seen brothers and sisters surround, you know, me and my wife in times of of hardship and loss. Um, mm. like even just Darren Overstreet, he's he's been our our boss these past couple of years in Seattle. He came over to my house uh, within the week of my dad's death and um, helped me refinish a table. He just knew that I had this project to do at my house. And so um, he was like, hey, why don't I bring my sander over? We'll work Mm -hmm. on this table together um, and we'll just spend some quality time. Yeah. And it was a really simple gesture. But even just in the loss of my dad, like him standing in as even a spiritual father to me, doing something just side by side with me. it's just really yeah. touching. Um, I intend to keep that table forever if I can help it. <laughs> um, yeah. Just in, in, in honoring my dad and honoring um, even Darren and um, his kind of example there. But, um, you know, there's even I, I obviously mentioned how much my time at SPU really impacted me and everything. But there's been some big ups and downs there, too. I yeah. mean, about half of my friends from that campus ministry are no longer a part of the church or, you know, believers at all. Um, many of them are not. Yeah. Um, and there was just this period where kind of the SPU guys were dropping like flies, like, you know. I don't even know mm. how far back this was. It was like right before Lisa and I started dating. So I guess 2017 or, or no, uh, earlier than that, 2015. Um, mm. But I remember a bunch of people calling me, just rallying around being like, hey, how are you doing? Like, do you need anything? We'll drop food at your house. And like, it's just, I, 
I've appreciated so much, though my life has been filled with a lot of loss, um, different tragedies. I mean, there's other ones I could go into, but it's the point being that people have loved me through those things, um, have really um, been my my people to lean on in times of trouble. And I think that's where it's given me, it gives me a perspective of being like, okay, my hope is not in this world. Like this, this life Mm. will have trouble. And Jesus said that. So what am I expecting is is every like little hardship in my life or big hardship, if I'm being honest, going to throw me off of my relationship with God or feel like, man, well, this church doesn't really support me or God doesn't really love me. Like those narratives, thankfully, mm. didn't work its way into my mind. I just always felt like God and his body loved me and supported me through all of these different um, periods of loss and grief. So um, it's kind of, mm. uh, it's not necessarily a story of favorite kind of memories, right? Um, because they're not necessarily like, quote unquote, the good stuff, but um, it's just yeah. kind of real life and, and people acting like family through the hard stuff that I think really has touched me and stayed with me. That, that is real. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, but really thank you for sharing. Cause it's not just the, the good news real. If it is good news, sure. it's as you <laughs> mentioned how God was working in your life and through those situations. Yes. I, I can't relate to some of that, but I know some listeners will be able to, and that they will really appreciate you sharing that. I I was a little similar in campus ministry where a lot of my roommates had fallen away. Mm. Some of them actually stole a bunch of money from me and fell away (laughs) and wasn't great. Probably 90% of the men in my wedding party deconstructed or fell away from God. Oh man. Yeah. Um, but God, uh, but I was getting married, so God was still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a light that shines through. Yes, <laughs> there is. Well, and it it sounds like through through that time for you as well. You had Elise. Tell me about a uh, meeting your spouse and how you and Elise met, yeah. got married, and what you're doing for the Lord together. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about a light that shines through because um, we joke, like we don't believe in auras or anything like that. But if I had a color <laughs> associated with me, it'd probably be brown or black. Um, and hers is very bright yellow. <laughs> She's a warm mm, and vibrant amber. person. Yeah, exactly. It just really radiates. And so, um, yeah, I'll, I can share our, our story, how we met and just kind of what our relationship means to me. But um, so she and I knew of each other in campus um, and we knew we had some similar background in terms of like she was, a, you know, an artist like was in theater, was studying mm-hmm. theater. And I had done a lot of theater growing up. We're both musicians, um, but we never really crossed Amen. paths yeah, we, ne- we never really crossed paths um, in campus. Um, it's funny. We actually lived in the same apartment complex, like just like probably <laughs> a few um, just just a hop, skip and a jump away um, from each other, but just didn't even know it because um, there's a sister's wow. household, a, a brother's household, but we just didn't spend too much time together. And so whatever, that's it just it was what it was. But anyway, she um, went off to Bellingham for um to pursue uh theater performance 
And um, mm-hmm. after I, I had graduated a year before her, um, I was working actually as a music therapist. That's what I got my degree in was in music therapy at SPU. Um, and I, I, by that time, I think it was pretty well known that I was like kind of one of the main worship leaders. And so Bellingham, like one of the guys reached out to me and said, hey, we're having a campus service. Would you come up here and help us? you know, lead worship. Cause we don't necessarily have any like young guys who are really equipped to do that. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, and so mm-hmm. I drove up there, helped with worship. Elise was helping with worship. And so we kind of got to talking after service, got connected and everything. And, um, I was like, man, she's, she's really cool. We all went out to lunch. Um, you know, after service, uh, a lot of the, the mm-hmm. young guys and girls and stuff. And, um, I just remember, <laughs> I asked everybody for their Snapchat. Oh uh, yeah, when we all used to use Snapchat, right? I was like, "Hey, what's everybody's Snapchat?" Mm-hmm. When in my mind, I was like, "I, I really want Elisa's Snapchat." <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> so uh, we ended up kind of connecting um, and staying in contact for um, that was like September or October of that year um, through like December and. Um, Elise would be the first to say she wasn't necessarily doing the best at that time spiritually. Um, so but mm. we were kind of connecting and she's like, I don't know necessarily yeah. this is the guy I'm looking for right now. Um, and so she ghosted well, she me. She was on Snapchat. Oh, I know. She was on Snapchat. That's like, <laughs> that, that should be red flag number one, right? Um, though, so I was as well. So, you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, by that December and it was funny we just spent a lot of time together like talking and stuff and like she had come back for Christmas and like we connected and everything and hung out with like brothers Mm. and sisters and stuff but it just felt like something was happening and then she went back to school for um, the next quarter and ghosted me (laughs) it's like Mm. radio silence and I was like I guess I read that one real Mm. wrong and she was going through her own stuff going (laughs) through her own growing at the time um, as was I you know amen um but uh, it, it just wasn't necessarily the right timing. But she had come back after graduating, um, gone, gone through her ups and downs, you know, in kind of college years and stuff. She graduated and she was like, man, I really like I really want to get right with God. I really want to work this out. I really want to kind of um, work out my relationship like with the church. And, he, and so she actually has said and shared this many times where she had a prayer time with God saying, uh he's like, I don't necessarily want you right now, God, but I know I need you. Um, so God make me Mm, want you. And if, if at all possible, um, could (laughs) you give me a spiritual man in my life? Because, um, and not to say this to pat myself on the back, that's not the point, right? It's like, Oh, I'm the (laughs) spiritual man. No, but, um, she just didn't have necessarily the, the best experiences with, um, guys in the church at the time. Like there were just some, um, people yeah. kind of in her own friend group and stuff that like, it's just, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most healthy, um, group at the time. Um, though she did have a really great demonstration of a godly man and her father. Um, it just kind of lacked a little bit in terms of peers. So anyway, she prayed for that. And it's funny, I was going through my own thing where I had my own prayer with God around that same time of saying, God, like I, it's okay if I'm, it's just funny for a guy to pray this at like what, 23 or 24. I'm like, it's okay if I'm single forever. I'm, (laughs) I will serve you to the day I die. Like that was very genuine though and authentic (laughs) of me to like pray. Um, because I think that was a legit idol in my life as we saw from my dating those other girls in high school story. 
Um, mm. So I really yeah. needed to relinquish that to God. And I said, hey, listen, God, I'm, I'm here with you no matter what. And so we around the same time had those really like authentic prayers with God. And like, lo and behold, she comes back after, um, you know, graduating and we reconnect. She actually asked me to help her um, play a, a show at Starbucks. The Starbucks that she was working at at the time was doing like little coffee house shows and stuff. And oh, so cool. We, yeah. We were doing that show. Well, we we were rehearsing for that and, you know, obviously doing this in a good space with other brothers and sisters around, right, doing these rehearsals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But we just, like, rehearsals for the <laughs> show got to be more, like, talking and connecting than even rehearsing for said show. So it's like, man, like, why did she ghost me before? I feel like we really, like, get on, you know? <laughs> so anyway, we um, – it just developed pre pretty quickly. Um between that September of her coming back and that December, um, she had just repented quite a bit, had grown a lot. Um, it was like, we were clearly like into each other. We were really like, um, wanting to be in a relationship. Um, it became clear with time and, uh, we started dating that next January. Um, and the thing about our story too, is typically I feel like people, um, you know, will, date and get married maybe within the span of like a year of dating like a half a year of, yeah. of engagement or whatever I feel like that's generally what I've seen but for us we dated for five months and then we're engaged for two so it like basically turned around from the point where she wow. was like god give me a <laughs> spiritual man a year time later we were getting married. <laughs> so if you talk about Amen. like the power of prayer, awesome. the power of like God really like making things clear, like um, we got like our heart's desire in that time. And of course I can't promise that to anyone listening of being like, well, just relinquish your stuff to God and you'll get what you want. But like, it really, I feel like was God's gift to us as we really um, committed ourselves to him um, that we found each other. And so, yeah. Um, Obviously, like I've said, I've had my different um, um, family issues and dysfunctions and things. And so I have appreciated Elise in her warmth and vibrance because I feel like sometimes I can be a really cynical person um, and feel like, man, the world's like really dark. The world's just got all its problems and hardships and everything. Um, but I think she hmm. just is such a picture of, of joy. Um, and that being said, we have gone through some of our own other personal losses uh, recently that have certainly affected her too. And she's had to wrestle with that. She's not just, you know, um, bubbling joy to no, with yeah. no like feelings of, of hardship or whatever. But I just feel like she um, emanates joy in a way that really brings me out of my own self. And I can be really skeptical of my feelings. I try to be really stoic. I think that's partly our church of Christ roots mm. that make me kind of skeptical of emotion, <laughs> but, um, yeah. she helps me not be a robot. <laughs> she really helps me be, um, mm -hmm. more out of myself and, and fun and engaging and warm. Um, especially in the context of, of family and closer relationships where those tend to, um, suffer for me to kind of see them like more in like a skeptical light. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I think that's really what I especially appreciate about her is, is, is her joy and her warmth and how she pulls that out of me, helps me just enjoy life more. So needed in partnership and 
encouraging for any of our listeners what can what can happen in a year you could be married in 2022 you, know, you never <laughs> know it's yeah it's funny you beg on your yeah. knees being like i'll be single forever and then god just does something so yeah we're not we're not confined to well, yeah. this moment in time where we feel so you know oppressed by our circumstances like god is above that two questions i get asked all the time in my stage of life by younger people are how did you know she was the one (laughs) and how did you know you were called to ministry Mm -hmm. so what was that like for for you and elise being called into ministry and knowing she was the one yeah well i'm glad you asked that question because you know obviously i got to share a little bit about her joy and her warmth but another thing about my wife yeah is she has deep convictions, deep convictions, mm-hmm. like um, sometimes deeper than than mine. Like <laughs> I, one of the things when we were in our um, our pre-marriage counseling that we both said, um, I think separate from one another, because we were going through this handbook together was like, why do you want to marry this person? Yeah. And we both were saying, because they're going to get me to heaven. <laughs> like, like this is going to be a person <laughs> who who is it's maybe at times going to drag me kicking and screaming <laughs> and like, don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. Like Elise and I are really different. Sometimes we have conflict, we butt heads and everything, but like the main thing Amen. is we have a shared common goal of having God glorified in this life and, and really keeping our eyes set on heaven. And so we like, we have a, one of the strongest, I think iron sharpens iron relationships, like not necessarily in comparison to other like, um, marriage marriages and stuff, but I'm saying in the sense of like, mm-hmm. she to me is one of my best iron sharpening iron partners. Um, yeah. Amen. You know, even as I try to grow in different areas of my life and, um, you know, different sins and, and, and what have you parts of my character that are, um, in need of growth. She's, she's the, one of the first people I, I talk to confide in, pray with, work through things. Um, and she's very insightful and just loves God's word. I mean, if I could say anything yeah. is like, please, whoever's listening, find somebody who loves God's word. Like I get mm. it that like, there's different things to be said about how you study your Bible interpretation and, and, you know, da, 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 what have you, but like that there's this deep trust and appreciation that God's ways are higher, his ways are better. And we are meant to be humble human beings who entrust ourselves to him and that he is in control and just knows better. Um, I think that as a default, like that's gotta be a non-negotiable for someone you look for. Yeah. So I knew mm-hmm. she was the one. Here's the funny thing was, um, like I said, our story went rather quickly, but because we were at that stage of life, we had really committed ourselves to God in that way. And we just saw that, that spirit in one another of being like, we've been through stuff. We've been through our personal sins. We've been through different losses, all this kind of stuff, but it hasn't shaken our faith in God. That's a huge Testament to say that person has character. Mm -hmm. They have endurance and we can go the long haul, not just in terms of our marriage, but in terms of our personal relationships with God. Like that, that was, I think, the biggest attraction and helped us really feel secure of being like, hey, we're we're yeah. ready for this commitment. I mean, I told her week one, I was like, I love you. And she told me later, <laughs> she told me later, amen, um, after I think we were married or maybe we were engaged, she's like, I knew I was going to marry you. The day I saw she, it's funny, a story of me getting a haircut and she saw me and she's like, I'm going to marry that man. <laughs> um, not just because of the haircut, but just she was like, 
we're such good friends. He's so spiritual. Like that's, I'm going to marry that man. Um, so anyway, um, that's funny. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, I think that's the real tell that we knew, um, was our conviction to God's mm-hmm. word and our, our commitment to stay with God, no matter what comes, um, and get each other to heaven. So there's that piece as far as going into ministry. Um, we got married in 2016 in September. And then we, for our first Christmas, which is actually Elise's birthday, by the way, um, she's a Christmas baby, shares a birthday with Jesus. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's a oh, tall boy. order of competition. Um, but anyway, we spent our first Christmas on a Hope Volunteer Corps in the Philippines. And so, which was, I think, a mm. really great start to even in setting the tone for our marriage and and kind of what we wanted to be about where it's like um where we could maybe be like well we just got married let's make it about us like make it about our families and stuff and like kind of how sometimes people do is like they kind of like pull into themselves as a married couple like that's another thing i appreciate about our relationship even when we were dating was like we always tried to let our relationship pour out into other people and edify others like we're like if it's just for us what's the point like god wants to use us Uh for his purposes right so i think there was just a lot of examples of that in our lives of trying to reach out into other people's lives evangelistically service wise encouragement and what have you we didn't do it perfectly but i think i think people would say that we had a pretty good um example of that and so being able to go on a mission trip for our first Christmas, which would also be, um, her first, uh, our, our first experience of, um, her birthday together as a married couple. Um, we wanted to do it in service. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, we, I just remember we were both like, just like laying down in, in bed after a day of, of service there. And we were just like, have you ever thought of ministry? I, c- I can't remember who brought it up. I, it might have been me. Um, but I was just like, I've literally never thought of it. Like, I just didn't think I was the guy for it. Like, I always think of like a um, really charismatic, like, um, like kind of athletic sort of dude. Not that I um, don't have more <laughs> of that in me than I thought. At, at the time, I really thought of myself as just like this really like artistic kind of like um, – soft-spoken kind of dude like I've seen that there's more of those kind of traditional leadership qualities in me with time and as it's developed but I was just like I just assumed that's not me like I would love to be like it it was something that I would look up to of course but I just I I didn't see how I fit the mold of this like champion of men who's just this alpha male you know oh yeah um but um I, just, I think I think it was me. I think I asked her, I was like, what do you think about ministry? Because, I mean, I just love this. And there was, we were the only young married couple in that group. And a lot of people were asking our advice. There was like teens and young adults and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times asking about relationship stuff, amen. But like, you know, other mm-hmm. things too in terms of life. And it just was a natural dynamic where a lot of people were getting advice from us. And we felt like we had some good, helpful biblical answers and stuff. And it just gave us a picture of like, is that kind of what that's kind of what ministry is, isn't it? Like serving people, um, shepherding them, giving them input and and working together as as brothers and sisters, that's really building family and deep connections. Like that's what we really yeah. experienced on that trip. Um, and had already been experiencing in our ways at home in our life, like I was saying. So I think yeah. it just naturally came on both of our hearts, and like we were just like it it 
neither of us expected it for different reasons, but it just came on like a lightning bolt. It's like, we should really consider that. So we just had the different conversations um, uh, over that next year um, of uh, 2017 and uh, just explored the idea. And so halfway through that year, um, we started going to um, uh, the staff meetings on Tuesdays, even though we weren't like paid, you know, on staff or anything. I was still working my job as, as she was hers, just got that Tuesday time off so that we could go to the meetings and stuff. And it just like was really clicking. Um, and yeah, um, God put it on our hearts. We kind of pursued it, chased after it. And then God made an opportunity in Bellingham, um, that following, uh, January. And before that, in that November, I actually got laid off from my job. So, um, Mm. And it was just like a budget cut related sort of thing. It was kind of lame how they did it. Yeah. They just like called me and were like, uh, your last check is on the counter. You don't have to come in. Uh, it was like somebody from corporate I never met. And they're like, wow. uh, but you can get your check and then uh, have a good life. And I'm like, I remember yelling into the other room, babe, I, I just got fired. <laughs> and so we were well into oh, no. exploring ministry at that time. And so we had gotten some advice of saying, well, why don't you just stay unemployed for right now? If you have enough savings, just work on that and like do a little bit more intentional ministry and training just as a layperson off of your budget for these couple months. Cause we don't really have a, a, a role wow. for you Amen. yet, but we're kind of exploring whether that could be a possibility. And so got some good training during that time. And, um, Darren and I got some time and we kind of were just addressing or talking about the state of where the campus ministry was at in Bellingham at the time. And they had gone through um, a leadership change at the time where it was like they were operating Mm -hmm. fully off of lay leaders. Um, But anyway, uh, so they when we realized how the state that the, the campus ministry was in, they were like, "Okay, we really need to send you. So he told me the following Sunday, um, he's like, we really want to send you up there. So. And it was not when it was like coming down to the details of being like how much money or, you know, this or that or the other detail. We just didn't yeah. really care. We were just like, just send us. We're just happy to go, you know. And so yep. that's really benefited us and has been our whole philosophy kind of going forward is like it's really just not about all those other details per se. Like we'll take the pay cut. We'll take the the hardships of, you know, x y and z so long as we're really able to serve god's kingdom that's what really matters so um yeah we've we haven't looked back i mean we love working in the ministry it could be crazy at times amen but we love it oh yeah well i appreciate that heart so much that it's it's not about the money you being unemployed and just wanting to serve for a while i remember madison and i fully expected that we'd be tent makers starting the church here in bend And I thought I would be working part-time for years trying to grow the church, but we've been, in fact, the calling to go out to Bend at first church budget for the planting was only about $2,000. And it's like, yeah, okay, we can work with that. Yeah. And God's just blessed it with the 16 plus disciples we have here. Wow. We're able to have a house and a family and work full-time for the church it's all a gift every single day. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same. A way. double honor, as the Bible would say. Yeah. In your personal ministry, ministry in the Northwest, what advice would you give disciples for making disciples, for building family here in the Northwest? Mm. 
Both very important things. Um, well, one of the things in the Northwest is, uh, and especially in the Seattle area, I suppose, um, we have very um, educated individuals here, um, people who rely a mm. lot on their capabilities and logic, very self-reliant individuals. Um, I think helping people yeah. see that there's something above from beyond themselves is really important. Um, and there's different ways that people can go about that. I've Luke Donatello, our, our great friends from Bellingham, um, who lead the church there, yeah. talked about people can be drawn to God either out of desperation or out of appreciation. Um, too often people get drawn to him wow. out of desperation and their life has to come crumbling down. And of course we don't want to like destroy people's yeah. lives or contribute to that to make it happen. It's just like God will do his thing. Right. Um, but hopefully yeah. we can learn through wow. just appreciating what we have. Like we're super affluent here in the Seattle area. Like we need to help people realize yeah. that these are beautiful gifts from God because he loves us. And it's not like this whole idea of being like, I did this by my own power and will like, um, I think there's a lot to be done about helping people understand. It's like, we're, you know, we're not really in control of as much as that, of, as much as we think. Um, and um, I really am pulled to apologetics yeah. because being in such a logical place and I am also sometimes too hyper logical in my approach to things. Another way my wife helps me <laughs> is building EQ, um, emotional intelligence, not just <laughs> IQ. Um, but Amen, I, I, I yeah. love apologetics because it, it helps us open up a door of saying like, there are good reasons to believe in this faith. Um, there's wonderful resources for that. Um, you just look through, um, all kinds of different books around that. Um, I mean, the case for Christ, um, evidence for God in the Bible, compelling or compelling evidence for God in the Bible, that Jacoby, um, evidence yeah. that demands a verdict. Like a lot of those ones have been really formative and helpful for me, um, or YouTube videos of Ravi Zacharias, um, who passed away, um, yeah. uh, I think during COVID, which was yeah. a real loss, I think. Um, but looking up that stuff and just being equipped to answer people who are just really heady and intellectual, I think would be, would be helpful in this arena. It might not be our cup of tea. We might not, if you are not a person who's very like academia kind of minded, um, mm uh, it's still good to kind of have some things in your tool belt to be able to talk to people who are, um, and realize it's not about blind faith. There's some really good reasons for, um, believing what we do, what we do. So, um, that's one thing yeah. I would say. Um, and just being uh, to my wife's credit too, being joyful and warm is helpful because at least in the Seattle area, the whole like Seattle freeze is a big thing. People are just really like reserved and, mm. and not, um, don't let people into their space a whole lot. But um, I think the idea of, as the Bible talks about, not, not just sharing the gospel, but our lives as well, like hospitality and building yeah. relationships is so important. And now another book um, that I would recommend, it's been in, maybe in the top three of books that have been really helpful is, apart from the Bible, <laughs> amen, is um, <laughs> The Simplest Way to Change the World. Um it's, it's all about hospitality, mm. and it talks about how that goes both ways, both giving hospitality to people and, and demonstrating God's hospitality, but also stepping into other people's hospitality. Um, because here in Seattle, a lot of times, like, I mean, I think uh, modern churches, like, a lot of times will say, hey, come out to church, come out to our, our event, or even, like, come to my home. Like, and all that stuff is really good. 
but um stepping out into pe- yeah. other people's spaces into their comfort zones as they allow us to is is actually really powerful and shows that we're not just like stuck in our own world of like hey well if if you're going to come and join our church you kind of need to come to us um i think there's a sense of going yeah. out into other people's spaces that is really powerful for people especially who are a little bit standoffish to the church um or like church in general or um just have that like cold like kind of um kind of withdrawn demeanor um we actually, as part of our reach yeah. out opportunities at a time, we're starting to go to meetups that were put on by other people. Um, I went to, a, I love board games. Mm-hmm. I love board games. I'm super competitive. I have a whole closet filled with them. Um, but I went to a board game meetup um, once a week as just part of being, putting myself in a space where I could meet people with similar interests to reach out. Um, so, and I would invite other you know, brothers and sisters along to do that. So it's not necessarily just our church yeah. events, but it is creating opportunities where we are as God's people, just um, in the community, right? Engaging where yeah, people are already world. meeting. Yeah, we're in their world. Um, so I think that's really, really helpful. And again, like you could see how that connects to the idea of building family. Um, so another thing as it pertains to building family uh, was our relationship and is our relationship with Luke and Amanda Donatello, who I've mentioned already, um, up in Bellingham. We had been there for um, first six months all on our own, and then they got hired, um, and then we're there for the next six months. Um, mm-hmm. And just our the nature of our relationship has been and continues to be one in which we just kind of like just come over to each other's homes. Like there's a very almost like unannounced nature about it. Like we definitely let each other know, but it has that kind of quality of just being like, you are always welcome. Um, you can always come over. And so feeling that we are like yeah. very much in part of each other's family, um, not just in the sense of work and church and stuff. Like, of course there was that relationship, especially when we were up there of like, um, you know, talking about church, talking about campus, talking about growth and different things and, and work-related issues, but just so much of it was like just living life together. Um, and and even like getting to know their kids and building authentic relationships with them, them encouraging us being like, hey, if you see stuff in our kids, like feel free to discipline them. If you feel you see stuff in our parenting, <laughs> like talk to us about it. Like we, there was a very mm. mutual kind of relationship where we just – we, we we're walking side by side in life. And I think that's really carried yeah. on into our, our perspective of ministry. I mean, especially having gone into Bellingham to where we like, we're kind of just making it up since we, the first six months we were on our own. Um, we had to just have just general like principles and mentalities. We didn't fully know what we'd be doing practically. Like we, we did definitely, um, discover that with time, but our main, yeah. um, our main philosophies really were like out of Ephesians four of like God gave these different, um, you know, the uh, apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip right. the saints for the works of the ministry. It's very a communal approach to to church, and um, it we've we've continued to carry that on in every stage of our experience as ministers, as well as that um, passage. I think it's uh, first in first Thessalonians of the, like, we are happy to share not just the gospel, but our lives as well. Maybe it's second Thessalonians, but mm, that's, um, good, yeah. that's just been a, 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 a kind of a mantra, if you will, a, a motto that we've, we've really wanted to follow is like, um, 
we're not here just to do church in the like organizational sense. We are really truly a family. And so I think it just starts with a perspective and, and philosophy and that I think just permeates and creates a culture and a heart that um, everything gets wrapped around. Everything you do is informed by that spirit that you and the tone yeah. that you set. So it's it's less of a formulaic sort of thing. It's a little bit more of an art. And I would say um, it's just building a conviction around that personally um, to where that that just naturally like kind of flows into everything that you do as as a ministry, as a family. I mean, it is it's just it's God's Mm -hmm. family, um, much more than it is an organization, albeit the church is an organization. It's just if it's only a group and a a social gathering in a organizational sense, you just really miss out on opportunities of connection um that one really encourages the body but also builds the body and is it an inspiring thing for people who who see that community and say wow they're really different from the rest of the world riley it's been inspiring you sharing that advice because they're also living that advice uh, serving god despite the pay um you're in your marriage to elise wanting that to serve others so thank you so much for talking about building family, making disciples. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Man, I just say the world will know his that we're his disciples if we love one another. I mean, the way that he loved us. So I, I feel like there's no real better place to start than for us to really just like look to God's word for truth, see how Jesus lived his life, it's totally a demonstration of love, both in the sense of, um, you know, saying the hard things, but being completely compassionate mm-hmm. and, and and giving his heart fully to people. If if we can just imitate that in in his in his church, um, yeah, we can't go wrong. You know what I mean? We don't need to <laughs> follow the world's version of love. If we follow Jesus's example of love, um, yeah, we can't go wrong. Amen. May love and faith increase. Thank you, Riley. Can't wait to see you soon at the next retreat. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're going to hang, play play more board games. That's right. <laughs> Build family, board games. Exactly. <laughs> Best way to do it. I want to thank you for listening to Discipleship Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and share it with a friend so that we can continue to advance Jesus's kingdom mission. Thank you.